Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we're... Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll hear from Liam, Clancy, and Jamie Parkinen about their new improvisational exploration, The Park. Let's hit it! All right, welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans, and tonight I'm just a voice because I'm joined by the incredibly talented instructors at Improv for the People, Jamie Parkinen and Liam Clancy. Liam, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you both doing this evening? Good. I'm doing well. Doing good and doing well. All right. I, I can't ask for much more than that. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it is 1,000 degrees outside. We're all huddled in a room full of lights. You're wearing headphones. Thank you for making this track for me. I appreciate it. So tonight, we're here to talk about, uh, I'd say, a recent endeavor, an exploration, if you will, that the two of you have partaken related to improv. Um, now... For our audience who doesn't know at home, uh, the last time Liam was on the podcast, which was episode two, uh, he was a student at IFTP, but now, many 40-plus episodes later, he's now a faculty member. So, Liam, uh, we only know you as a student, but now you're Liam, the faculty member. So, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Welcome to the show. It's <laughs> you're, the big leagues. You're a different person now. Pico Boulevard on Tuesday nights. It's Ooh. the big leagues. Ooh, so, we've never seen anything like it. Uh, so I want to ask you a little bit. So the park, what is the park exactly? Because I keep saying it and the audience is like, uh, Michael said this 50 times. So tell me about it a little bit. The park is a two-person improvisation um, we originally started, um, Jamie and I started just doing a couple rehearsals together in January just to do some duo work and, uh, play around, see what that's like. And then we started doing shows in April. Um, we started with our self-produced shows, uh, theatrical experience for exactly 21 people. They're these small, very curated, funky duo improv shows that, um, always have, uh, a little twist baked into them. Mm. I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but every show has a big twist that happens at some point during the show, which is very fun. Um, and then we've also since then put on a short form show. We're trying to bring back a really big uh, short form uh, style show with competing teams and scores and judges. We had one of those in June. We have another one on September 16th. Um, and then we also have a residency at the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica where we perform every other Monday night at 9 o'clock. Am I missing anything? Literally nothing was left out. That was incredibly thorough. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. All right. Um, so as I mentioned to you off air before we started recording, uh, in some of the conversations we've had, uh, both on the podcast and off the podcast, uh, we've talked about how it feels modern improv, uh, especially maybe in the United States, we kind of reached a point where things feel stagnant or it's no longer moving or no longer exploring anything new, trying anything new, right? We, we stick with the same old games, the same old long forms. Uh, was the park born out of that idea? Uh, I don't know that it necessarily was originally. I, it was more so I I liked Liam's style. I could tell like, like mm-hmm. he just 
he had a spark about him that I was yeah. interested in. And so I asked him to start doing rehearsals and we started rehearsing together. We didn't know what it was. There was no objective. There was no goal necessarily, at least that I had in my mind. Um, and then as we started playing, we started seeing these patterns and themes and the more we started talking, we started to realize like, yeah, th there's these things in, in improv that it would be so fun to like break away from or do something differently um, just to see what would happen. And then sometimes things don't work out that great. Fine. You don't have to do it again. But it was more just uh, it's then it started to become more of an exploration. And then we started finding some success in some things. And that was really fun and exciting to, I don't know, kind of break what the rules are, but then also still find success. So it kind of then shows like the meaninglessness of some of the rules or, <laughs> or maybe the, maybe meaninglessness is too strong of a characterization, <laughs> but there was, there's something on the other side of them and I wanted to know more and we started dabbling in that and it was just, it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think it's one of those things where with improv, right, we all learn those basic rules, but it reaches a point where you just have the experience where you can say, okay, I know these rules, but how can I bend them or even break them a little bit? Like you said, we don't have to throw them away entirely, but there's room to be flexible, I think. Yeah. You don't say, you don't have to say <laughs> fuck you to the rules just mm. because they're rules, but it's more of asking why yeah. rather than rejecting them out of hand so it was it's more approaching it with curiosity uh than it is out of like you know rebellion yeah necessarily so it's been interesting and productive and i it's exciting because it feels limitless mm. um which before you start breaking rules it feels limited and so i like that possibility and potential yeah yeah questioning allows you to see beyond like those limits like you said and i think that can be really important because if we're feeling limited by these rules in improv it's really going to change how you perform on stage you're like nope can't do that can't do that can't do that you don't want to be on stage thinking about things you can't do you want to be able to think about what you should or what you can do yeah and i don't want to speak for everybody in the world but i think many of us are trying to find our own voice mm. and I think it takes a while before you even realize that you don't know what your voice is because you're just trying to like get your footing. And so you're learning the rules just to kind of get something underneath your feet. And then yeah. after a while, to me, it felt unsatisfying. I'm like, this doesn't feel right for me. Mm. And then that's when like the questioning comes in is like, you have to question things and push things away in order to create some space for yourself to explore within it. If you just adopt the rules wholeheartedly, it's... Maybe that is, maybe you're one of those few people that that is a complete fit, but a lot of people I feel like chafe against it. So I don't know. I feel like I'm talking a lot. Mm, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so you mentioned at first, right, these rehearsals between the two of you just started because uh, you recognized like Liam's style and you're like, hey, I, I like your style. I like your work on stage. And over time you were rehearsing and you discovered that there was something there. And was there, you feel like a form that you were creating or just the types of scenes you were doing? What was that spark? Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's form. There's not really a form. There's no strict form we follow at all. Mm. But there are certain tendencies that have started to come up, I guess. And even this, it's not like, oh, this is what we do. It's more like, here's some places where we're having fun recently. Mm. Um, a lot of fun. We, we have a lot of fun. Um, 
sorry, I blanked. We don't have a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of fun playing inanimate objects. Mm. You know, that was something we discovered. You know, there was no like thesis that just Im- immediately yeah. appears, right? We have a lot of fun playing inanimate objects. We had a lot of fun uh, snap editing where there were no swipes or tag outs. We would just start a brand new scene in mm. the middle of a scene. So one performer might have moved on to initiate a new scene. This next performer doesn't realize they've moved on for a new scene. They're still in the old scene. You mm. get like two performers of this. Or, you know, sometimes you realize it and you both completely change, lock into a new scene immediately. So it's like, what happens when we still edit, but we get rid of any edit mechanic? Yeah. What do those look like when those edits are just immediate? Um, we have a lot of fun with repetition, finding like one thing, you know, filling up a bottle of water with space work and just doing that over and over and over for 10 minutes and seeing what that, what that births. Um, we're, we, have, we do a lot of, we're very, very physical, moving around a lot, throwing our bodies at stuff. Uh, we use a lot of props, like we'll grab anything in the, anything in the theater is fair play for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that's, that's not a form, but those are the things that I think if you see one of our shows, you'll, you'll likely see yeah. bits and pieces of those things come up, which are pretty un- not standard improv yeah. moves. So you mix props with space work. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't. It's not again. It's not like oh, we do this. We mix props with Spraceberg. It's like, yeah, if I want to drink the this audience member's dad coke in front of me, like I'm gonna just grab it and do it. Yeah, well, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah, it's based off feel in the moment. Right. That's that's a, another good point. Something we talk about a lot is playing from inspiration. Mm. Um, so not making a move until we're inspired to make a move. Mm. Uh, so s- sitting in this moment that we're currently in. If the scene opens and the two of us are sitting down reading newspaper, we're not going to be like, we're not going to panic and go, Oh no, we haven't established who, what, where it's been 30 seconds in silence. Well, we're just going to live until we feel the inspiration take over the scene. Mm. Um, and it's, it's led some really fun, really fun work that feels very different than like improv talk or improv dialogue, you know, improvisers in scenes, don't talk like normal humans. They talk like improvisers in scenes. Yeah. Um, And I think our, a lot of what we've been doing makes what we're doing feel, even though it's more abstract, it also feels more natural in a weird way. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that contrived improv-ness. I don't know. That didn't answer your question at all, but it kind of circled around it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it did in a way though, mentioning essentially there is no form, right? It's formless and mostly based upon inspiration of the moment, which I think can be interesting in a scene because like you said, traditional improv we just we have an objective in that right it's like i want to have a good improv scene so i stick to these rules and i'll have a good improv scene so our dialogue can be clunky or driven by an objective but true to life but that's a that's a false premise Mm. if i stick to oh my glasses glasses. that's a false premise if i stick to these rules i'll have a good improv scene because most terrible improv scenes are from people trying to do that yeah they're thinking too hard they're about thinking those too hard rules. about the rules and they're not playing. And then it's like, Oh, the rules have gotten in the way of the fun. Like the rules are not some, you know, grade grade marks to live up to. That's like, they're tools that you get to use to help. Everything is just help you find the fun, help you discover the fun and push you towards the fun. Um, yeah, that's the end of that diatribe. <laughs> One thing, maybe two things that I wanted to add to that. Mm. I agree with everything that Liam said and I think one thing we've been playing with, and I think these are reciprocals of each other, so it might just be one thing, but it's tension and trust. Mm. Like, I feel like, you know, the sitting and just reading a newspaper 
and waiting for inspiration to happen requires so much trust that something will happen and that something, or maybe nothing does happen, but that that's enough. Mm. It's, it's both trust in your own abilities and then trust in your, you know, your partner's abilities as well to like not break the tension just because they're nervous that nothing's happening. Mm. So we sit in these moments and create immense, um, immense amounts of tension, um, which requires a lot of trust in order to keep going because I feel like most improvisers would feel a little tension and then want to break it because tension makes people nervous, even mm. the performers themselves. So we build tons of tension doing these things. And then when we feel like the moment is right, and that's usually when that inspiration happens, then break it. So that tension and trust is an interesting thing that I'm uh, exploring in this duo with Liam. And it seems to be something that's very new. I don't see other improvisers doing that. That's one thing I feel like we've been having some success success with. <laughs> some success with. And then uh, lots of fun with too, because it like I feel personally challenged because I feel the tension rising like in my chest, like, oh mm. God, this is two minutes of silence where we're just sitting staring at an audience. No one's laughing. The tension in the room is like, what is happening? <laughs> and then something does happen inevitably and it like breaks the tension and it's huge and it's yeah. an explosive release and it's so it's really fun to play with those extremes um and not just fill everything with dialogue yeah yeah let there be beats long beats because i hear two minutes and i go oh my gosh that sounds crazy and as a performer i i imagine that like you said you can feel it rising too you feel it with the audience of like when is something going to happen when is something but i think it's so much more rewarding like you said when you wait and you both know okay this is the moment this is the moment now. Well, totally. And I think it's differentiating the internal monologue versus the feeling of inspiration. That feeling mm. of inspiration like lives in like your gut chest mm. area. And then like the monologue in your brain is telling you, do this, say this, do this. This is, you know, you have to turn that off enough so that you can hear what's going on. Because I think you'll feel the inspiration. You'll feel the tension in your gut just naturally. I think we do that as human beings. Mm. And so it's almost you have to do less in order to kind of uh, get to that space. And I think everybody's not everybody, but many people are so nervous that they can't turn off their, they can't turn the volume down on their internal monologue enough to listen to the rest of themselves. Mm. Um, yeah. But it's been fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, I would imagine the two person format helps because one, there's no one who's going to come in and, and that scene too early or edit too early, like you said, doing those snap edits in the moment, it's up to the two of you to decide, hey, this beat's over, let's move on. Or those moments of tension, right? You can let them sit as long as you want without the pressure of getting clapped out, tagged out, whatever that is. And it, it gives you so much freedom and flexibility because it's just the two of you, which is both amazing and terrifying, I would imagine. Hmm. It's true. I want to have that with ensembles too. Like I want ensembles to trust each other. Oh my God. Have some water. I, you talk. <laughs> well, I think it's one of the benefits of a duo is that hmm. there's only one other person who you have to build great chemistry with. Yeah. It, most improv defaults to like you know teams of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, and that's just a much harder task. It's yeah. just it's fun, but it's it's just way it's way harder in its own ways. I mean, I think if you're a newer, for a newer improviser, duo might sound terrifying because you're like, oh, I'm on stage in every scene the whole time. But for an experienced performer, um, like 
it's it's super fun and it's like it's almost easier because it's like okay there aren't all these my relationship with jamie jamie's relationship with the third person the third person's relationship with the fourth person fourth and three four and me you know jamie and three like that's like a whole crystal like matrix i don't know that i don't know if that's a real thing but i made it up (laughs) of relationships that you have to manage and understand and learn each other's preferences and how scenes with this person work. There's like just a lot more work there. Mm -hmm. So even though duo might seem like more work, I think in a lot of ways it's a simplification and the simplification is, is very fun. And I think a lot of our scene work is simple too. I think we just, we do a lot of very simple, like here's the thing and we're just going to do it. We're going to play it. We're not going to move on to the next thing. We're just going to make this scene about the one thing and then we'll move on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> we had a, a recent show that was uh, very simple. And I was thinking about it, and it's the most quintessential clown show you could have had. Mm. Because the plot, the plot, and this is, we're going off the rails, but I'm talking. So <laughs> edit, edit this as you wish. But the plot was... I wanted a tomato to make salsa and Liam's character was eating the last tomato in the house. So that's the plot is I want tomato salsa obstacle. That's our plot. I'm in right. Super simple. That was the entire 30 minute show. Um, but it was clown in the sense that the objective of making salsa gets derailed and then it get and then that derailment gets further derailed and that derailment gets further derailed. You get farther and farther away from the plot and then all of a sudden you remember, oh yeah, this is about the salsa and then you have to bring the salsa back but you're already down this huge rabbit hole totally unrelated to salsa. Um, and it's very fun to have something so simple be like the plot and then just constantly pepper it with just nonsense and mm. gibberish and little bits and pieces. But I think you can only do that when you have simple plots or simple scenes and stories yeah. because if it becomes too complicated and there's too much math involved, then I think you have so much to keep track of that you can't play in it. It's like somebody, somebody, I can't remember who, but someone's like, you know, chess is a very uh, simple game, but you can make super complicated moves. So when you have a simple scene, you can get really complicated and dig into the nuances of it, as opposed to if you have a complicated game like Settlers of Catan, it's like you're very limited because there's so much going on that you can only make small, very simple moves. And so there's an inverse relationship between how complicated your scenes are and I think how much fun and play Mm. you can find within it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think words are really the trap. The more words you put into your scene, then the more plot and crap you have to keep track of. Um, But then again, sometimes it's helpful to have words for clarifying context. So it's, again, there's no rules. It's just, you have to start feeling this balance. Yeah, whatever the scene needs. Yeah. Yeah. And what does a scene need? Mm. Scene, most times scene needs to be played instead of explained. Mm. That's something I see a lot that Jamie and I talk about a lot. A lot of people will start, they'll find something fun and then they'll start to explain what that fun thing is yeah. instead of just doing that fun thing. And those are, the, where, those are the where words just get messy, where it's like you're using extra words to explain this thing when it's like, I'd rather just see you do it. I'd rather see you do it in silence. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I think. That's what every, that's, does, every, does that work? Every scene just needs to be played? I don't know. 
I, th- I think why not? Yeah. I think mm. if you're not playing in your scene, then who even wants to watch or be in this? Yeah. It's like, you could have a scene without play, but like, those aren't the scenes we enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. What was your question, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I asked, how's the weather? But you answered it <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I wanted to tie it back because you mentioned um, for, I guess, kind of the overall plot or the premise for that show, right? It was... Uh, you wanted to make salsa. Liam was eating the last tomato. For your openings, or I guess those premises, is that an organic initiation? Are you getting some sort of audience suggestion? How do you start those shows? So we had a conversation with um, one of Jimmy and I's uh, mentors and coaches, uh, Chris Alvarado, who's mm. he's around here. Yeah, too. friend of IFTP. Yeah, friend yeah. of IFTP. Um, we had a big conversation with him about suggestions. We, mm. we took one of his classes. We spent like 45 minutes the whole class talking about what is the suggestion? What's the relationship to the suggestion? And it got us thinking like, oh, let's try to do a show where we get a suggestion and then live in that suggestion for the mm. whole show. A lot of times if you get a suggestion for like an object or one word, it's like that's, we get that. And then there's like some fancy, you know, cutesy way of mentioning it once and then it never really is used again. Yeah. We get it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, we dealt with that. Exactly. It's like, we did our suggestion homework. Now we can do improv mm. and it's like, okay, I guess that's fine. But what if, why even get one? If it's like, Oh, now we have to do the homework to get rid of it so we can play. So let's either not get one at all or get one and just hammer it over the head. Um, so the show Jamie's referencing, we went out, we asked for just one word object. Mm. We don't do any sort of opening. Uh, we say, we said one word object. Someone said tomato. We said tomato, go. And then like, you know, his very first line was something about the salsa. And then I started eating the tomato and we're off. And the whole show, I had the tomato. Tomato gets lost, gets stuck in the ceiling, <laughs> climbing around the stage, trying to get up to the ceiling to get the tomato, you know. And then it's tomato, 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 tomato all the time. It's like, oh, wow, that's a fun way. You know, which is another thing I don't see other people doing is taking the suggestion and beating it to death and then mm. like beating it to death again. To the point where it's like becomes so absurd how much you've focused on the suggestion. Um, again, that's not something that's like, oh, we always do this. But it's something we're playing with right now that's, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, it's kind of of the moment. You're like, hey, this is what we're going to do right now. But next show, who knows? We might do something different, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's, that's kind of your, your team's premise in and of itself. It's like we do what we feel or what we're interested in at that time. And that's always changing. <laughs> Yeah, rather than one concrete, hey, we're, we're this group. We always do this thing every time you come see us. Because we know there are teams out there like that, and they find their niche, and that's great. But I like this, this openness of the format. Like you said, you're, you're in the middle of a show. You see someone with a Diet Coke, you drink it. That's, you know, nobody tells you to do or not do that. So I love that just how raw that is of like, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see how this inspires the scene, inspires the show, what this leads us to. Did you actually do that? Uh, no. But I think one time you did gra- take I a grabbed cup. a cup. Yeah, you did take someone's mm. cup. I took somebody's cup, but it was empty. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, we also, we, I mean, we play a lot with breaking the fourth wall. We'll yeah. talk to audience members. We will like get the show. Jamie was talking about there are people, you know, there, there, are peop- there are parts where people were like shouting out and we would pause and look at them, tell them to shut up. Then get back to the show and like we'll heckle our own audience. There's yeah. one guy with like a very funny laugh last night, so we kept like pausing in the show, looking for him, and you know, like we'll do that as well. Like that, 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 you know, there's this other layer of like, oh, 
we're, we're dead. We were so serious locked into being these two dumb British guys arguing over the fucking tomato. And then we'd snap into like, you know, breaking the fourth wall. And it's like, oh, well, we're also self-aware that we're just two idiots on a stage right now while also committing as hard as we can to this one thing. And that is a very fun juxtaposition too, where you like snap out of it and snap back in. And the audience is like, oh my God, whoa, whoa. Yeah. They're there. They, they get it that they're just performers, even though like they're so committed, which is another just fun little, little trick. Um, but a lot of the stuff we do would get us in trouble at mm. other theaters. They'd be like, no, no, that's not how our theater does it. We do it this way. We do it this way. You know, um, even IFTP. And I think part of what a great performer is, is like, I can play different styles. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, you know, at a IFTP show, like throwing my shoe at an audience member which like I would do at the show we have on Monday nights. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it's just kind of like the, the different styles in different places, but yeah. it's, it is fun also to get to play a style. That's like, we feel, you know, someone described this as dangerous. Um, mm. uh, like another great improviser out on the West side. Like, she was like, you're dangerous. You guys are the dangerous. And she said mm. that like two weeks in a row. And at first Jamie and I were like, I don't, okay. I don't really know what that means. And then we were talking about it last night. We're like, you know, we kind of are dangerous. Like, all of our shows are a little dangerous and you can feel that the audience feels a sense of like, uh Oh, uh Oh, this is a little nerve wracking for us, which is fun. It's fun to put an audience in a place besides just like, you know, you know, John's chuckle hut, you know, something where they're like <laughs> feeling, feeling something besides just laughter. It's yeah. a fun place to put, to put a crowd. Yeah. Now uh, I am a season ticket holder at John's chuckle hut. So, uh, <laughs> kind of hurt my feelings on that one Liam. is there a chuckle season uh there is uh this month it's uh laughs for august that's that's what the season's called but i'll uh, just wait the winter season's coming out there's all the seasonal shows christmas for crack ups uh it's a classic yeah i go every year fun yeah absolutely um, now I want to tie back uh, to something you said earlier in the interview Liam you mentioned uh, exploring short form as well or doing I think you mentioned either a short form show or just exploring those typical games that we play um, so with short form I think we all know we've all seen those books it's like 3 million short form improv games or we go on improvencyclopedia.org you look through they got a million things I mean that's what I do for this podcast <laughs> most weeks right uh but I wanted to ask, is there something you're trying to do in the short form space as well? Kind of explore that a little bit, just shake up the traditional games we know, like ABC game, new choice. Yeah. Well, there's, we actually recorded a whole podcast episode about short form on Whoa. Jamie's podcast, the comedy fix, Jamie, Chris Alvarado and Sam Miller. There we go. I got it. Uh, we did that like last week. So oh, oh, uh, no. subtle, I'm not an so original, <laughs> not a subtle plug at all. Actually like a really unsubtle plug, but Episode yeah, we, 68. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we had, yeah, we talked, we've been talking about this a lot recently. Yeah. The, we, we actually do the opposite. We're not going to those short form games being like, how can we make them punk? How can we break the games? Yeah. It's actually the opposite. I think with those, with those are like, people started to shit and complain on these games so much. Like, mm. Oh, they don't belong in shows. Like long forms, the real art. We're like, no, no. Like, what happens when we put on a show where we really respect these games and mm. play them, play them as well as we can and play the games yeah. in the way they're meant to be played in a competitive, you know, show high octane environment. Um, and honestly, a lot of times those games are used in teaching for new, newer people. Most of those games, 
Um, I mean, that's what I do every Tuesday night, mostly. I teach games, you know, short-form games, and we do them and play them and try them. Um, but rarely do you see a whole team of seasoned pros who know what they're doing get up and just murder it short-form, Yeah, right? It's almost become this form of learning mm. where it's like, this is the thing we're going to make you do while you're learning, but then once you're ready to perform, you're never going to do this again because it's just for people who are learning. And I kind of reject that premise. I'm like, yeah. I think we could do a good show with short-form too. So it's, it's a, we do like a pros versus Joe's style. Mm. We have a team of like professional improvisers. I mean, Matt did the first show oh, wow. um, mm. and Jonathan Magnum and, you know, just Michael Terry, all these, all yeah. these people. Um, and then we have a team of like rookies who are, they're, they're rookies in the sense that they like don't have TV credits, but they're all yeah. like killer improvisers. Yeah. They're all pretty good. And they, yeah. And they know all the games and they've been doing it and they perform all the time around LA and stuff. So, um, and we put them against each other. They play games. We have judges. Judges give them scorecards. It's a whole hoot and kadoodle. Mm. Um, and that next one's coming up, September 16th. That's six weeks. September 16th. Yep. I don't know what day of the week that is. But Saturday. Saturday. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. I think you raise an interesting point because a show of pros playing short-form games, I mean, that would sell out at John's Chuckle Hut for sure. <laughs> it's never been seen before. But I think that's true. There's, you just reach a point where those games are kind of abandoned and left to the side. And then, you know, one day you dust them off and go, oh, yeah. Well, part of the reason why people say, like, oh, short form's bad, yeah, because the people you see doing it are the people in your 101 class yeah. that have never done improv before. Like, of course it's bad because it's someone's first time ever getting up there. They don't know what they're doing yet. It's not their fault, but it's still bad. And then, like, yeah, I, I hate that game. It's like, yeah, you hate that game because there's people who have, you know, 10 hours total improv experience, not someone who has 15 years. Yeah. So when you get the real pros playing those games, they're so much fun. And so many of those games have baked into them just, you know, even though they have narrow rules, like a lot of space to like get really mischievous and yeah. mess around and just really go for the joke in, in those. Like, you know, we try not to go, go for the joke. I don't know. I don't know what that sentence actually means. I don't know if I even agree with it, but it's something that gets thrown around. You know, don't go for the joke. We say a lot in long form. Short form is the opposite. Short form is go for the joke. Yeah, that's why we, you're there. We just explain to the audience, you're going to see X, Y, Z, and it's going to be funny. So if they don't see X, Y, Z instantly, they're going to be like confused. Why'd you explain this game to me if then you're not doing it? Um, and we've been having a lot of fun with it. I, I'm, I'm, excited for, I'm excited for the next show. Yeah. I think what you mentioned, it's a similarity for how you approach premise as well in those longer form shows that you do, right? It's like, it's tomato. We're going to make sure we hit tomato over and over and over again. And same thing with short form, right? It's like a real pro is going to make sure you're really hitting X, Y, and Z of that game. It's exploring that premise that you start off with to the fullest during the time that you have it, whether that's tomato or it's new choice. Right. And it's kind of like, this is kind of tangential, but when we do like an audience interview too, Hmm. that premise that is still in there, that promise to the audience that we're going to mention all these things we just heard is still there. The kind of tricky thing about that is we don't tell the audience. I mean, you come to shows, you start to see it and get it, but you don't say to the audience when you're interviewing them, every single thing you say down to the smallest, most minute detail is fair game for us to play with. Hmm. So then when you interview someone, they think like, Oh, they're going to show my job because I talked about my job. But the first scene is actually about, you know, how they were playing with their hair the whole time in yeah. the interview, right? So then the audience goes, oh yeah, they did, that did happen, yeah, you know? Did, yeah. So it's, it's actually the same thing too, where it's like we're delivering on the promise. I don't know where I'm going with that. It's just kind of a side tangent that I thought of while 
while I was thinking of this, you know, yeah. the promise we make to the audience when we explain a game or when we have a suggestion or when we interview an audience member. Mm. Mm. I mean, if you're telling them the format beforehand, you better deliver, right? right. It's like, hey, we're going to do this. And then you don't do it. That's disappointing. You know, people are going to feel like, oh, that was okay. But I didn't quite see what, you know, they were doing there. That's the whole point of short form. So I agree with you there. It's like, we, we don't like it because we don't always see more experienced improvisers doing it. Yeah. And, and we talked about this a lot on the, we don't need to just rehash the mm. comedy fix short form episode. Uh, we're just going to, I'm just going to cut that yeah. into this episode. <laughs> but people should listen to it. It's, it's, it's a great episode. But another yeah. thing about short form is just the stakes are higher. Yeah. Because a lot of times with long form, we're like, we might not make you laugh. We're not trying to make you laugh. You probably will. It will probably be comedic. But we're not, ex- you know, like there's space for other stuff in long form. Yeah. With short form, like this is going to be a funny game and we're going to make you laugh. So the stakes are because if it doesn't work and it doesn't bomb, like you're sitting there and it's a lot harder and there's no one to immediately clap you out. You know, if, if you bomb in 10 seconds, like in a long form, it's like, okay, someone will clap you out. They're like, that was a bad initiation, whatever. That didn't work. Yeah. In short form, it's like, you got a two and a half, three minute game and you're, it sucks. Yeah. And the audience is going to be like, this sucks. And then the judges are going to raise up their card and say, that was bad. Like I did not like watching that. Mm. Which is another reason why I think a lot of people say, like, I don't like short forms because it's a little bit scarier. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. Because, again, the audience knows what you're supposed to do as well. Long form is free form. Even if you bomb, you still have time to come back and recover and move on and move past that. You don't get buzzed out, and then that's it. It's your one shot. Yeah. Jamie, anything you want to add on short form? Yeah, I mean, I think Liam's and my approach to the short form show is to kind of give it a certain amount of respectability because... It's like, I think about it, and maybe this is tangential and weird, but I think about it like modern architecture. Hmm. Like modern architecture used to be very cool and cutting edge in the 50s, and then it got adopted into the corporate world. That's why every corporate environment has a modern architecture, and it kind of cheapens the value of it. I think when we use short form just as training wheels and improv, it kind of lessens the respectability and the value of people's interpretation because it's like, oh, that's just what we teach to 101 students. That's, that's for the birds. Let's do yeah. our long form now as opposed to this kind of gives it some respectability the same way like a piece of art in a museum will be considered differently than if you see it at the Goodwill. It's like that same piece could be there or in the Goodwill, but give it the respectability context and people will consider it as such. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to do with some success, I think. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next show as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that format sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, pros it's, versus Joes. Michael, it's so fucking fun. Oh, my yeah. gosh. no idea. It was... I don't. I, I, I was the host of the show, Ooh. actually. I didn't even perform it. I guess hosting is performing in a certain, yeah. certain respect. But I was the host of the show. And, like, scenes... I had, I had, we had a strict one-hour show. We had to mm. get out within an hour. Yeah, keep it um, tight. Exa- we had to, just because of the venue's rules. Yeah. So I had to keep an eye on the clock. But some of the scenes were so funny that I was just, I lost track of time. I was just yeah. watching as an audience member. I wasn't even like looking for the blackout to edit the scene because like, it was so funny and they were just killing. They were just killing Michael. It was, it was a hot, mm. hot hour. Yeah. Now I have to ask, you mentioned judges. How do you score a short form scene? Well, you could do it easily. Mm. You look at it, you go, was that good or bad? We give them like scorecards. They have one through five laminated. We mm. all know what shit improv is. That's I true. can throw out ones all day. 
We all know what's five. Liam, let's do a, a level one scene right yeah. now. Okay. Give, me, give me a level one scene. Let's do, let's do one, two, three, and four, and five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this one. This let's do one, maybe one, three, five. Okay. One, three, five. That sounds good. Do you want it one, three, five, or five, three, one? Uh, I want to see one, three, five. Okay, so we're going to improve. Got it. Yeah. Um, are we doing a short form game or just a scene? We should do the same short form game for each one so we have yes, some kind should. of control. Um, uh, trying to think. ABC, that's like too obvious. Just, yeah. Don't know the alphabet. <laughs> Let's do. I, all, all I can think of is new choice in ABC. That's so sad. There's so many more. What did we, what did we play at the show? I mean, most of them are like three person games, though. Yeah. Um, We're leaving all this in. <laughs> it's going to be good radio. Yeah. I'm trying to embrace the tension, just like yeah. y'all are in your show. Just with a podcast, it's just two minutes of people thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we could just do, it doesn't have to be, a sh- we could just do scene, the same suggestion. Scene? Right. I love that game. Great. So good. It's just a scene. Are you going to cut this to shorten it out that? I'm going to lengthen it, actually. I'm going to extend, like, just close-ups of each of you, just like... It's like 10 minutes. We're the short-form guys. Can't think of a fucking game. I just look at my list. Yeah, no. I'm the same. Do you want a one, like, object suggestion or something like that? Sure, sure. All right. I got I got a generator. All right, here we go. Uh, umbrella. What are you doing? I was trying to find my umbrella. Do you know where it went? Why do you need an umbrella? It rains every Tuesday here. It's Tuesday today. I'm upset. You're upset every Tuesday. I'm upset every Tuesday because I think that you, when I get the umbrella, find me there. And then I'm, um, what, 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 why are you doing, why are you looking at me? What, are you going to say something? Say something. Why won't you say something? Say something. Why won't you say something? Yes, and, but I will on my own, on my own time. You always try to tell me what to do. And I, where's the umbrella? Blackout. Uh, the manager at John's Chuckle Hut just texted me. He, he wants to book you guys for a show. Uh, so is that this was live. <laughs> it is well for him. It is. He's out there. All right. So that was level one. Uh, do we want to do same suggestion? Level three. Sure. All right. Your suggestion is umbrella. Boy, Steve definitely is raining out there today. Oh boy, it's coming out in cats and dogs. You know, I'm I'm glad I have a business partner like you to work with. Makes me happy. Me too. I love you, John. Oh wow, that was super forward, but I'm. It's what business partners do. We put our emotions forward. We put our emotions forward. We talk about them. We talk about Don't them. you love me back? John? The Blinsky files got to be filed by the end of the day. John, why are you walking away from me? I got to get to my desk. Your desk is next to mine. I'm married. I'm divorced. We're out, of, we're out of K-Cups. I'll get you K-Cups if it'll make you love me. 
My umbrella's got a hole in it. I was I got wet while I was I was walking. You got work. what? Blackout. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, he no longer wants you at John's Chuckle Hut. <laughs> he hasn't heard the five yet. He said that was too advanced <laughs> for his audience. Um, all right. Uh, same suggestion. Level five. Or five points. I don't know. Umbrella. Here, stand next to me. Okay. I'm still getting water on my shoulder. I'm oh, sorry. A little closer. Scooch. Okay. Scooch. Okay, now I'm getting a little bit of water on my Scooch. shoulder. Sorry. All right. Scooch. All right, here. You're holding the umbrella. Okay. Scooch. Okay. Scooch. Are you dry yet? Yep. Okay, good. Gosh, you smell nice. It's perfume. And chocolate. I love those two. I'm getting really wet. Can I come in? No. You're wet. You're going to make me wet if you scooch in. You're right. Thank God I've got this other umbrella. Oh. It's, it's very pretty. Can I? Yeah. Yeah, come in. Scooch. Okay. Scooch. All right. Scooch. Okay. Are you dry yet? My shoulder. Still getting a little rain on it. Okay, come on in. Scooch. Uh-huh. Scooch. Okay, I'm getting Scooch. a little wet now. Scooch. All right. Scooch. All right, I'm in the rain. Gosh, oh. you smell good. It's perfume. Blackout. <laughs> uh, so is what makes a level five scene mumbling? <laughs> it's, uh, it's tone. I think it's tone. I'll tell you what I tried to do in the level three scene mm. was make sure I labeled my who, what, where. Yeah. Like really explicitly, clearly early on. Yeah, I could tell. I think what, I think the level one scene is I'm panicking and I'm going to put all the pressure on my scene partner to give me all the information. Just pimping, pimping, pimping. It's where are you? What am I? Who are you? What's this? I'm not going to add anything. The second one is, okay, I found my improv feet a little bit. We started talking about short form because of this, but this I think is also just progression through improv. Yeah. I have my feet on me a little bit. I know I need to get the who will wear out. It'll make things easier. Let me get them out, but it's going to come out a little heavy-handed, right? Yeah. And then the level five is pulling the label back. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that level five is the greatest scene ever, but I think it's something interesting about not yeah. knowing the relationship between these two people makes it almost more interesting than if we knew that, you know, they were dating. Yeah, and you weren't floundering. It was like I, I as an audience member, trusted that you were okay. Whereas the first scene, I see you panicking going, what's, uh, what's that? What's this? What's that? And I'm like, oh, God, uh, I don't enjoy this. But at that level five, it's like, I don't know all the information yet, but I trust that these two are going to get there no matter what they do. And, uh, you know, I wish we could have been physical too, but you could, yeah. at least in my mind, I was visually seeing we're just opens a slightly bigger umbrella. We were just, we were just going to keep pushing, just going to have unlimited oh, yeah, just umbrellas, keep, scoot, right? Scoot, 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 yeah. <laughs> So stupid. Yeah. I mean, you're limited by this podcast, right? Uh. <laughs> it's um, my one through five was similar. One was like, I just, I'm making no choices. I'm starting, I'm fighting with you over nothing. Yeah. And then I don't know why I'm doing anything. Yeah. Level three was, I'm going to just, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to tell, not show. Mm. That was kind of my thing. So I, I love you. Like, I'm just going to come out and like mm. throw it on the table right away. Yeah. 
then the, the level five was then show, don't tell. And so yeah. it's like show, it's like, oh, we're close together. It's like maybe this is flirty and I'm trying to win this person's approval or something like that. Yeah. So I'm taking this kind of absurd abuse. But, you know, so it's, it's a little bit, you know, you show instead of tell and then you allow the audience to kind of be a participant in the show rather yeah. than just receiving information that they have to process. They get to also make decisions yeah. about who they like and how they feel about you yeah. and what might be going on. Yeah. So it's, I agree. I don't know that those were exactly one, three and five, but I think those are the mechanics at play in yeah. one, three and five level scenes. You can see how it gets more advanced through those mechanics. Right. Cause like you said, it's like, I love you versus like, this is what I'm doing to tell you to communicate that. I love you, which is so much more natural anyway. Right. That's what we do every day. Right. And it just, it, I think it allows the audience to feel more. If you just say, I love you. Like it, it almost feels forced, yeah. false, disingenuous. It's like a rom-com. Where it's yeah, like- and it's like I'm intellectually <laughs> processing it rather than feeling it. Mm-hmm. And then, but when you see like cute little moments happen on stage, that's when the audience can like feel that little meet cute that you see in nice, you know, romantic movies and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, I think it's show don't tell. That's mm. that higher level yeah. stuff. Yeah, it, it comes through. I think in the one, three, and five. That was a that was a lot of fun. I was thinking like a three is a great place to be as yeah. an improviser. Like very, very, very few people ever get to the kind of that three middle intermediate range where it's like confident. I know I need, I know who it where is going to help me. I'm going to make the strong choice to say, I love you to someone, which is like a supercharged, you know, big swing to get the re- deep in the relationship and figure out who we are to each other. You know, especially as like a bot, like two uh, coworkers. That's like, saying I love you in a context where it might not happen, like those are all like pretty advanced moves. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Just after a while, I'm like, it's like, okay, well, what's next? Like, I mean, I think Jamie described it perfectly. Like instead of now we're really comfortable telling the audience all this stuff. Let's stop telling them things and let's show them and make them have to be the one that, that feels the same thing the characters are feeling and realizes, oh, you know, that guy loves that other character. Yeah. It goes from, I know how I feel, so I'm going to say it too. Do you know how I feel? Let me show you. Mm-hmm. Right, the question changes, which I think yeah, came through. And, you know, to do one, three, and five on the spot, I think it's pretty good, pretty good. Sitting down, <laughs> no space work, <laughs> no blocking, <laughs> trapped to your seats and your headphones. So we'll take it, we'll take it. Um, so now I understand how you score improv right there. I see it. Yeah, we have the judges and they, and also, I mean, another thing about the judges is it's, it's a little bit of like a, like Kabuki theater. Yeah. Like WWE wrestling where it's yeah, like, it's sure. made up, right? The yeah. judges are there. They're part, they're performers too. Part of their job is to kind of tease the performers as well and complain about them. And if the performer bombs to like really, sh- <laughs> shit on them in a way that's very funny as opposed to that like takes the pressure off that performer not like oh you're a failure but more like that was so funny how you floundered this thing yeah you know in its own way and so it's it's not real judging like you know a sports referee yeah they're part of the performance and the entertainment yeah, because they make even those low moments, they can make them so much more fun by commenting and talking about right. it after. By, by talking about how bored they are, how they wanted to fall asleep. And all yeah. our judges, we get our other improvisers, like, great yeah. improvisers. So they're great at saying the thing that's going to turn. It's like we may have watched a boring scene and now the audience is like, man, that seems boring. But then the judging part after that scene is one of the funniest parts of the show. It's like, OK, well, that made up for this scene being garbage. 
Yeah. So no matter what happens, it's uh, you've got gold. It's a great structure. You've got gold. You've got gold, baby. Gold in this room, right here, right here. All right, gentlemen. I got a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. And by a couple more, I mean a question for you both. <laughs> um, so thinking about where you've come so far, starting just rehearsing, spending some time outside of our regular structured classes and shows, just exploring. Um, and talking about how your format, right, focusing both on short form and really honoring short form, as well as exploring long form and focusing on inspiration rather than a specific structure or specific guidelines. Um, is there anything that you haven't explored yet or haven't uh, played with yet on stage that you're hoping to in the future or a path that you'd like to go down a little bit in your work with your improv? It's like, you know what, we've been focusing on beating up the premise lately, but you know, maybe next show, this is something I, I'd like to try. Jeez, I feel like that's all I think about all day. Mm. Like, I, I want to do everything. I yeah. Don't, I don't, I want, I want. It's hard to hone in everything. on one thing. I want to be good at all of it. I want it mm. all. I yeah. want the character work. I want, I want to, you know, I want to be a character master. I want to be in, extremely intellectual and smart in how I play traditional style game. I want to add in more physicality. I want to get some clown in there. I want to get in some more, um, you know, interacting with the audience. Um, I want some more dramatic acting, some really serious, well-acted scenes. I, I want to be a better actor. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm nowhere near where I want to be as an improviser, mm. um, which is part of the fun. It's like every show, every rehearsal, everything is like, can I get, can I get an inch closer today? Like, can I get a... Can I do one thing that's out of my comfort zone in terms of improv? Can I push myself just a little bit further? Um, yeah, I think like, yeah, you can get good at this art form, clearly, like tons of people have, but you can never like, there's no, you're not going anywhere. Mm. We're not going anywhere. There's no path. There's no like goal that's like, okay, once you get to this, you're now, you know, mm. verified good improviser. Yeah, there's only, you know, the there's only the process of the art. Like, the, there's that's all we have. So, like, I never want to. I always want to keep getting better at things because I feel more like an artist in rehearsal rooms than I do on stages. Mm. Um, so it's the new stuff yeah. is always what's most exciting to me. The mm. the skills I don't have yet are the ones I am most interested in. Mm. Would you say you feel more comfortable in rehearsal rooms because of the expectation is different? No, I, I think it's because it's like that's the that's where the sweat is. Hmm. That's where like I'm not I'm not I don't really fail on stage. Like you know, there might have scenes that are flubs or something, but you know, but I'm I know how to deliver on yeah. a stage. Like I know yeah. how to do it. But in a rehearsal room where it's like, okay, now we're going to try this thing we've never tried before. It doesn't really make sense. It's this weird, abstract exercise about you know seeing how long we can stand on one leg before the other person drops it. And it's like, that stuff is where it's hard for, where it's hard for me. And that's where I get like challenged, challenged. I mean, the audience, like the audience thinks like the audience thinks they're seeing, you know, the artistic process when they come to see a show, which is true to an extent. This is all my own, what I think, but, but really they're seeing the outcome of the artistic process. Mm. They're seeing the finished product. That's why I'm, that's why these people are on the stage. 
That's why you're seeing these people because they've come through the artistic process and they have a product that they can have developed and is marketable for the stage. The real artistic process is when you have no fucking clue what you're doing and you're in a rehearsal room and you're like, let me try to figure this out. Which is also why I love teaching new people improv for the first time because it's like, yeah, like this is where the, this rehearsal is where the work is. This is where the art is. Like this is where you're an artist is where it feels awkward and where you feel self-conscious. You don't know what you're doing. You're scared to get up. You're terrified. It's like fighting through all of that is that's the art. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Jamie, what about you? It's a good question. I don't know. I, <clears throat> I, I don't have particulars in mind. One thing I guess that is particular that I could speak to is I tend to be so serious about this work and about just things in general. I'm very like intellectual that it's, always on my mind like how can I find play and what is fun for me what am I having fun and how to replicate that and the challenge is most of the time when I'm having fun and playing my hardest is when there's like chaos Mm. and it's totally organic and inspired chaos and it's like how do you recreate inspiration you almost can't by definition like it would be it would be forced yeah then it's not inspiration exactly and so that's the dragon I'm constantly chasing is like, oh, how do I replicate my inspiration? It's like, it's like a, there's no way to do it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm constantly trying to wrap my brain around how to like find moments of inspiration and I'm able to find them, but like, I can't manufacture them at will. Like, oh, it's showtime. Here comes the inspiration. It's like, sometimes I'm not feeling it when it's showtime. And sometimes I'm feeling it on my drive after and I'm like, yeah. Oh fuck. Where was this 15 minutes ago? Yeah. I needed you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or same thing in a rehearsal. Sometimes I go to rehearsals. I'm like, Oh, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not in the inspired mood and it shows in the work. It, sh- it feels forced and clunky and that's okay. Cause sometimes inspiration can be found mm. when you're, you know, are in the mud kind of trying to claw your way out. So finding inspiration and, and, getting some shortcuts to help replicate it is kind of what I'm interested in maybe nailing down, but it's so ephemeral and fleeting that it's part of the beauty of it, but also part of the frustration of it. It's like, ah, how do I replicate this magic? Mm. Because like, I agree my favorite times, it's fun to do a fun show, but my favorite times are in the rehearsal room. It feels like we're in the lab, like tinkering with stuff and like, what if this, what if that, what if this? And then it's all very like inspired. And I think some of the best work Liam and I have ever done happens in a rehearsal room where nobody Mm. gets to see it. And so we do fun stuff on stage as well, but it's like, I think the real magic does happen in the rehearsal room. Mm. And I think that's, what's great about improv too is, you know, people think of it as like, you're getting ready for the show. The show is the product. Like Liam said, um, but, oh, fuck, did I just lose my train of thought? It was going to be magical. <laughs> Find that inspiration. Find it. People think. Get the dragon. People think you're preparing for a show. Oh, yeah. What's great about improv is just the practice of rehearsing is, is enough. If you never, you know, I took a clown class and the clown teacher was talking about He's like, some, some clowns just like to like clown around with their dog. Like, and that's, that's the extent of their clowning and that's where they have the most fun doing it. They don't need to mm-hmm. be out in the street juggling to get validation as a clown. Like you can just clown with your best friend and stuff like that. Like clowning and I think improvisational uh, performance too, improv, it happens all the time. 
you can you can improvise with anybody anywhere. It doesn't have to be on a stage in order to be validated. You know, you can do it just with your friends on a road trip or do it in the rehearsal room and all of that is equally valid. It's not like, mm -hmm. oh, well if it's not for the stage, then what is it? You just yeah. you're just wasting your it time. It doesn't there. even count. Yeah, what is this just like the junior leagues? Like so I, I kinda I don't agree with that structure, that hierarchy of like, oh, mm -hmm. this is the valued improv and this is the lesser valued yeah. stuff. So I don't know. I guess that's not really an answer to your question, but I'm trying to figure out how to replicate inspiration. Good luck. Yeah. Again, the question was, what's the weather? Um, but <laughs> what do you think, Michael, about... Uh, oh, for two. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about it, Mike? Mm. The weather? <laughs> yeah, what do you think about it? Hot. No. Yeah. What do you think about form? Mm. Like, not having a form. And, you know, these kind of, you know, these, these play where it's like, oh, we're using real objects and we're talking directly to audience members in the middle of a show. And what, what are your thoughts on that? What does that yeah. bring up for you? Yeah, because Michael, uh, I think of you as a form guy. Yeah. I, when I, I think Michael, I think Harold. Like those yeah. words go synonymous. I, I am a form guy. I was, I mean, uh, my improv experience bouncing around and all, all those things, it's always been, you know, about getting to some form or like, okay, now you're ready for this form. Like UCB, I spent a lot of time there. That's the whole point, right? You're building up, you're building up. And then you get to a class where it's just all about heralds and you do heralds over and over again. Right. And you're just conditioned to think herald, like first beat, second beat, analogous, time dash, all that. Right. Um, so in my head, hearing what you're talking about sounds so radically different. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun because I do also have a theater background, so I like props. I like the opportunity to break the fourth wall, like do something different than, you know, this is improv, this is a form, this is what we do. Uh, snap edits sound intriguing because it's, to me, it's radical, right? You're the dangerous guys, <laughs> the danger boys. Um, incredibly intriguing. Uh, I think I like the idea of that, that freedom within a show. You're just on stage, it's you and your scene partner, We'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. We're beating up a premise. We're, you know, we're talking to this person because you know, they're doing something strange in the audience during the show. They're sitting weird. They're laughing really loud. They're not laughing at all. You know, it's whatever you feel in that moment. Like you said, inspiration. You don't know when it's going to hit. And I think within an improv, how we traditionally see it, inspiration has to be limited. Or we limit it to serve the scene, but we don't let inspiration from outside things uh, come through. Like the audience, for example. Like grabbing someone's cup, taking off your shoe and throwing it. Because we think, oh, we can't do that. But you can. And that's almost empowering, I think, as a performer as well. Can we put it on its feet right now? Like, can I set you and Liam up with a scene? Sure. And have you do it. So, Liam, you can do, you can do whatever you think, but Mike... <laughs> Mike, my friend. Um, what I want from you is I want you to you do a scene, but I want you to like do something that will make you uncomfortable, not in like a dangerous or weird way, but just something that's really far outside your comfort zone as much as you can in the mm. small situation, just to yeah. see what happens. We're yeah. just in an exploratory phase. There's no expectation and mm. you can edit this out if you want. Oh, no, it'll probably stay in. Um, I say that before. <laughs> so do you, um, do you uh, have an idea of something that would make you uncomfortable, or do you want me to push a little uh, bit? I'm trying to think. <sighs> I'm not sure. You got something? I 
let Liam speak, hmm. but other than that, you are constantly talking. You are not allowed to stop talking unless Liam's talking. And then immediately, as soon as he's done, you, you start up again. Like, yeah, let's just try that just to see if like we can push. I don't know. Mm. Maybe nothing will happen, but right. I'm interested. So you two are at a train station. Go. <sighs> talk, talk. It's bad, man. This, this, everything is bad. I mean, work, home. It's just, it's too much. I, I, I can't handle it. How is one person expected to handle all of this? I, I, I don't know how we all, we're all just going about our lives every day. Just go work and go home. I can't afford anything. I just Three go home late. and watch Netflix. And, Three minutes late, the B train. And I, I, you're just sitting there talking about the train. I don't know how you're not losing it, man. It's three minutes late. It's uh, never late. Uh, Travis, I mean, seriously, this, this shit is fucked, man. This, this world that we're living in, it's just we're expected to keep going every day. Do you think it pushing hits someone? On. I don't know if the train hits someone, but maybe they're lucky. You know, they, they, they get out of this, this hamster wheel that, that, that is life. Okay, good. Pause. I, I want to make a small adjustment. Liam, keep doing whatever you're doing. Michael, I want your lines to not make any sense. Okay. You don't have to talk the whole time, but whatever you say can't make any sense with what Liam said. Okay. Okay. Um, mm. So let's just try again. We'll start fresh. Um, you don't have to talk the whole time. Just okay. don't make sense with whatever Liam said. Liam, we'll give you the first line. Um, now, you gentlemen, um, you two are... Uh, you're in the back part of an airplane where the flight attendants hang out during a flight. Okay. That's where you are. Go. Jeez. A13's at his 15th ginger ale of the day. I've ordered several things from Sky Mall already. It's uh, such an exciting catalog this year. We're going we're gonna to run out of cups. Can't. Oh. Oh my gosh. Is that a Bluetooth speaker that looks like a roll of toilet paper? That is hilarious. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Michael, you're still making sense because you're still in the same context. I want you to go mm. farther away with mm. your words just to see. No, I, I don't think I want to put grass in the backyard. That's, it's just a waste of water, honestly. I, I'll, I'll go with gravel, I think. I mean, how many ginger ales can one man, one man drink? Oh my gosh. And it's not, it's not that I don't not like wearing shorts. It's just pants are so much better. I don't want people to see my legs. That's embarrassing. Legs are embarrassing. Nobody, nobody wants that. Their legs are gross. And there's a limb. There's a very large woman up in B33. And I don't want, she's asked for three different snack packs. It's like I, I've reached a point in my job where I'm comfortable where, where I'm at. You know, I don't want a promotion. I just kind of want to cruise. Keep it chill. Like maybe a raise every now and then. But And I wish I could say I'm not judging her, but I am. I am, and I feel guilty about that. I don't think being a meteorologist is that hard. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Michael, how was that? Uh, I mean, it was fun because I was listening to Liam, but I wasn't because <laughs> it's just I, you were talking about airplane stuff. So I was just trying to keep to that idea of just talk about something else. Talk about something else. Yeah. Yeah. I might have been a failed experiment. I don't know. But I like I mean, that's the type of thing that, you know, Jamie and I also talk a lot about, like, take care mm. of ourselves where it's like yeah. the idea of like put your airline analogy, put your oxygen mask on before you help your scene partner. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And that's the type of thing, that scene, I could totally see us doing a scene like that where we both start talking, uh-oh, we're in completely fucking different worlds, and yeah. we don't merge. We just stay in our own world. Then we edit, we have another scene. Three or four scenes later in the show, we realize, you know, that was actually the flight attendant's husband back home mm. on the phone. And, yeah, it was a you know, split scene, yeah. Just, right? And it's like, that's the type of thing where we also been have, we have a lot of fun with where it's like, we don't have to solve problems in this current scene. Sometimes, and we, Jamie and I have been talking about this a lot, where it's like, in classes, like, this is your one scene, so this scene has to have everything. Yeah, it better make sense. Yeah, whereas a show, well, we have the whole show to figure this out. If one scene doesn't make sense, then you can wrap around on the back end of the show and make yeah. that scene make sense, and then the audience goes, oh my gosh, they're so smart. They they're the best. Think about yeah. that the whole time. <laughs> when for us, it was like, oh shit, we're in the wrong mm. place. And the panic move... Um, the panic move that a lot of like less experienced improvisers will make is they're like, okay, now how can I as quickly as possible in this scene, make it make sense that I'm talking about grass while also this guy's next to me. It's like, that's fine, I guess, but it deflates the balloon again because there's some tension in the fact that like, what he's talking about this thing. This guy's talking about that thing. And it would be so fun to then leave this scene, go on, go on. Then five scenes later, come back and it's, these two people, you know, yeah. know each other or something. That's make it make sense later. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah, I think having watched the scene and then and then hearing this now, yeah, I think when you, it's fun to play with non-linearity. So mm. like to not have just it's a straight linear scene. I love you. We're gonna get married. End of scene. Where it's just like straight as an arrow. Anybody can predict what's going on. Yeah. This I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's in going on. In the best on. way because like, yeah, if you think of like the show as just like a big graph, we're just yeah. getting like little points all over the place and none mm. that doesn't show a pattern yet. But then as we start filling in more points, it's like eventually, of, right? Yeah. It's like pointillism in a weird way. Like yeah. Start I was thinking connect the, the dot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's fun to play with non-linearity as well because yeah, it does create the tension of un- yeah. unknowing. But it's confident unknowing because yeah. you don't know what's going on, but you're still confidently pursuing the unknowing. And I think yeah. that's kind of actually what clown is. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Have we made this interesting to listeners? Have we just I been so. waxing poetic? Like, do they, does anybody have any takeaways for this? Mm. Any takeaways people can try in class on next week? Just take your shoes off. I think, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think mm. but not your socks. That's gross. That's so funny that you said that because Liam in the show with the salsa, he literally took his sock off and shoved it in my mouth on stage. Oh, how was that for you? You took my sock off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I took his sock off mm. and then. I mean, then it's fair took, game at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was, I was on his shoulders oh. and making and balancing a shoe on his head. Mm. And then he gave me that sock and said, balance the sock on your head. Mm. And then he said, is the sock on your head? And I said, uh, yes. And then I shoved it in his mouth. <laughs> And the audience, like, uh, the audience, that was a, so interesting watching the tape back. Yeah. Because the audience, like, did not like that move. No. But they were, like, the most engaged yeah. that they were at any point during the show. They were, like, they're, like, no. Like, half the people were, like, no. Oh, my yeah. God. What's so funny. It gets a reaction. Yeah. When you yeah. start playing with props as opposed to space work where you can, obviously, you can't always do it, but where you can, the visceral reactions from the audience are so interesting because... Other than Liam's and my shows, I've never heard people audibly scream out in a show. Like the guy was like, stop, stop, I'm going to vomit. I've never heard somebody yell out, I'm going to vomit at an improv show. Yeah, no, because it's all all fake. Yeah. Just like thinking about it, I'm like, wow, I've 
no one even talks to the improv show. They might say, oh, what? Or like, my, like that's it. But like, yeah. no one's like, I'm going to throw up. Can you imagine an IFTP show? <laughs> it's like an alphabet. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> this sucks. I'm going to bump. But that was another point where then I yeah. broke the fourth wall. I was like, yeah. No, you're not. Like, shut, yeah, shut yeah, totally. Up. I mean, that's out. a great moment to be like, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should, that's what we should done. Yeah, yeah. Come up here and vomit. Yeah, come up here and vomit on the stage. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that was yeah. The side point. But yeah, I, what I want is, I, I don't know, just for the listeners because I don't want it to just be us going all philosophical. What can they try yeah. next time they get on an improv stage? What's mm-hmm. what's something we can give them? What's a tool? Yeah, I'm asking the room. So, Michael, yeah. Liam, I'm asking I'm myself thinking. as well. You know, it's a classic, it's the classic English teacher thing, but mm. just show, don't tell. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that can help with show, don't tell, and can help with scenes too, is just choosing a scene to repeat the dialogue line that the scene part, your scene partner said, and don't say anything else the entire, the entire scene. Just see what happens. Yeah. See what happens. Just repeat. They say a line, you repeat that line back to them. They say another line, you repeat that line back to them. Boom, boom, boom. Or, you know, another thing to try, just mess around. Give yourself your own little challenges for dialogue. Um, it's like, you know, say, I'm gonna, I won't say more than 10 unique words in this scene. I mean, that's yeah. a short form game. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, those games exist. But it's like, see if you just do that. It's an open scene, but give yourself that challenge and see what happens. Um, all these limits, all these, I mean, it's a lot of it is short form game limitations. Give them to yourself, you know. Give yourself the sit stands lie down rule. Of mm. Whatever my scene partner is doing in this scene, I will not be doing the same thing. If they're yeah. sitting, I'll stand. If they'll stand, I'll I'm, sit. I'll sit. Yeah. Right. Um, without telling anyone, you don't announce it, but you just play it for yourself, and mm. you might start to find some some differences in mm. in you know. I think that's in general one of the things that we can take from short form too is just take all the games and rules of short form and just use them in long yeah. form scenes. Play them by yourself. Yeah, it can be very very fun. Yeah, I think I was going to say, uh, tying back to talking about premise, right? Next time you get a premise, really focus on it. Beat it up. That's like we said, we so often go, okay, I uh, mentioned premise, spy premise, and then it's gone. The scene continues. But hone in on it. Focus on it. Revolve around it. And just see what that does for your scene. Even if your scene partner isn't quite there, you still can kind of help bring that focus back to premise. I mean, don't railroad, but focus on it. And I like, yeah, Liam, what you said about using short form, but in long form, right? Using short form in, in situations where there isn't a given structure like that. And just see what it grants you, what it opens up. Yeah, my, my thing to try on, if anybody's interested, is actually what I see and heard both of you basically just say, I'm just going to rephrase it, is less is more. Mm. You know, say less, do less, and I think you'll get more out of it ultimately because... Yeah. When Liam and I beat up the suggestion, it's not just because we're saying tomato 500 times, yeah. even though that itself is entertaining, <laughs> yeah. but it's because we're so fucking fixated on tomato yeah. and nothing else that we develop a super deep relationship with this tomato. This tomato is a symbol for the success or failure of these characters' yeah, lives. You and need it. Because there's nothing else. And so because we've invested 30 minutes of emotional equity <laughs> into this one singular tomato, this tomato becomes this super powerful symbol and represents so much more about these characters in like a very cool theatrical way. Mm. So I think less is more. And I, I mean that just speak less, move less, please don't ever start your scene with a sigh. 
everybody's always <laughs> sighing at the beginning of a scene. So dramatic. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, Margaret. It's like, ah, you, you've just given away all your theatrical energy. Hold yeah. on to that tension yeah. in your chest. Pay it off. Yeah, just, just start. You know, don't, don't let the audience off easy. Build that tension and then shatter it mm. as opposed to just, I don't know. Yeah. So less is more. And I less think is more. You, you guys were kind of saying that same yeah. thing in a different way. Because yeah. if you're focusing on that short form that you're incorporating or that premise, it's like the rest will fall into place because it'll be easier for you as a performer to be like, okay, right? If they're sitting, I'm standing. If they're standing, I'm laying down, right? Whatever this. And if you're just doing that, the rest, you won't have to also be like, oh, I need the who, what, where. Oh, I need to make sure to not ask questions. Don't say no, blah, 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 blah. Less is more. I think so. Mm. All right. Well, with that said, Jamie, Liam, thank you so much for coming on the show this evening and talking about the park, talking about short form and so many other things. Uh, When and or where can we catch your next performance? Uh, So we have, we do shows every other Monday night at the West Side Comedy Theater in Mm. Santa Monica. We also get, we also, Jamie and I have comps. So anyone listening Mm. to this wants to come to the show for free, just DM us on Instagram and we'll give you one of our comps. It's part of our package with them. Mm. We get comps. I think we get four for every show. So nice. we, we want to give those out for every show. So yeah. if anyone from IFTP is interested, let us know. We'll send those to you. Um, then our next show is August 14th, um, mm. which will be very fun. We got a little, we're a little, we got a little trick up our sleeves <gasps> for that. Um, I can't see it. <laughs> yeah. And then September 16th, we are doing uh, another big short form show mm. in, at the Santa Monica Playhouse, which will be totally fun. And yeah, follow Jamie and I on Instagram, that's where we put all of our show stuff and all of that. And yeah, t- doing tons of other shows too. And it's, it's a blast. Yeah. 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 And I think shows the importance of like, get out there, see improv, see different kinds of improv. Yeah. I think that's, that's how you I mean, learn. No one, I think if I, one of the things that I believe very strongly is that people should try improv at tons of different places. Yeah. And it's great to have a home, like, you know, this is my like home-based theater. But, like, take a class at the other schools. See what you like. You might hate it and be like, "Oh, okay, but I don't like that that style." And it's like yeah. that is how you find your artistic voice. Yeah. You know, once you start to find stuff you don't like, and then find stuff you do like, like that is how you find your artistic voice. And if you don't know what else is out there, it's hard to like. It's hard to know where you sit contextually in the art form. Mm. Um, and mm. yeah, just go, see more shows. Everyone should see a lot of shows and go to IFTP shows. When's our next show? August 26th. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. Um, I think that's everything. Anything else we have to, anything else? If you made it this far in the podcast, thank you. Thank you. And if you didn't, no thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, as always, uh, this has been Improv for the Podcast. You can find us streaming on any platform, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher. I'm sure we all use that. Um, But as always, we'll see you next week with another episode. Thank you for listening. Improv for the Podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.